I'm just going to share like a little story about myself. I, I've had a lot of failed romantic relationships, which I'm sure is shocking to all of you because I just seem perfect, <laughs> <laughs> like a pillar of stability. Um, but yeah, so I've had all these whatever messed up relationships, but I had this one relationship that was um, particularly volatile with this one person, and we'd play this game that I call dysfunctional ping pong. Some of you may be familiar. I don't know, you guys look happy, maybe you don't know. Um, <laughs> but it's a game where one person <laughs> says something, you guys seem cute too, you don't know what I'm talking about. One person says something mean, the other person says something mean, and you like go back and forth. Anyone? Oh, everyone's here perfect? Oh, cool, no one's... No one's been mean? Okay, cool. Well, I was playing this game. I said something mean. He said something mean. I said something mean, too. And then he says to me, you know what, Amanda? I wish that when you were younger, someone would have thrown acid in your face <laughs> so that you could have developed a personality. <laughs> Whoa. Sick burn, right? <laughs> to which I replied, are you saying I'm, like, really pretty? Oh my god, thank you. Thank you guys. I'm Amanda Biddle. Yay! Normally I wouldn't do this, but follow me on Instagram or Twitter. My name is my name, so thank you. Thanks. Give it up for Pam. Give it up for all the comedians. Venmo, Mutiny Radio. Yay! And me. Yay! <laughs> Amanda Biddle! Definitely Venmo her. That was lovely. That's so great. Yeah, I want people to throw acid in my face, too, but it's a different kind of acid. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yes, please, throw acid in my face. I like that, and I will probably like you more once I'm on said acid. I don't know. Drugs are cool. Drugs aren't cool. Drugs are cool. Here's the thing. You can microdose ketamine. But you can't microdose cocaine. You can only macrodose cocaine. That's just the way it works. It's a macrodosable drug. Your next comedian, what a, what a wonderful human being he is. He has actually saved my life once. I was um, too many of the moon rocks. Um, all the millennial kids, they do the XY2 KDB. I don't know. There's all these letters and numbers. They stick together. And I'm like, I'm just going to take a fingernail scraping off of this, put it in my mouth. I was like, this is too small to snore, and I'll just put it in my mouth. And then I'm like laying around on the ground. They're like, who is that old lady laying on the ground, rolling around? And they're like, we should call an ambulance. And Hunter was like, no, I'm going to take her home. She's fine. She's just really high. So he <laughs> saved my life. HunterSavedMyLife.com. Put your hands together for your next comedian, Hunter Uniac. Yay! <laughs> No, don't do that. She's an amazing person. Keep it going for Pam Benjamin, everybody. Yes. We're only allowed one F word, right, Pam? Nope, you're not allowed to F word at all. Any at all? Nope. Goodbye. No. <laughs> I'm joking. Hi, I'm Hunter Unique. Did you guys have a good Thanksgiving? Nice, nice. I almost said F, yeah. That's crazy. No, I, I, I realize I'm a horrible son on Thanksgiving because my Christmas present to my parents was Thanksgiving dinner. See, one person laughed. The rest of you are horrible f people. You are. That's like if it, that's like if I gave you your birthday present on July first and first uh, said it's also your Christmas present. Like how, that doesn't make any sense at all. What's going on? It's weird. I don't know. My girlfriend broke up with me recently. That kind of sucks. It wasn't recently. She broke up with me like three years ago. But I'm still saying it's a joke because it hurts me inside, but it's still funny. But she broke up with me recently. 
Um, uh, I don't know why she broke up with me. I, I treated her like a goddess. I'm an atheist. I never believed in her. It's fun. I, I, what I thought when I met her first, I found she's a raver. Because the first time we had sex, we used a glow stick condom. We broke it before we used it. It's fun. Before I met this girl, I was only sleeping with single mothers. Happened on accident. But you know what's the best part about sleeping with single moms? The snacks. The snacks. They're amazing. One time, this woman, she gave me a fruit by the foot right after. And I had to split it with her because it was the only way she was going to get six inches that night. Yeah, you stopped clapping after I finished that joke. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you guys think Hulk Hogan looks like Thor if he was on bath salts? <laughs> yeah, cool. That's not really a joke. I just like saying because that's what tells me who's the cool people and the weirdos from the audience. You know, it's fun. A little bit about me. Um, uh, my dad's a current tweaker. My mom's a former coke addict, and I'm a raging alcoholic, which means my parents have to be proud of me. Why are you applauding for my childhood trauma? <laughs> Why? I, like, please do. It's the only reason I'm funny and I have a personality. Nobody need to throw a bat of acid in my face for that. <laughs> I just grew a beard instead. I don't know. That's weird. I, um, but yeah, I'm half white and half Filipino. Yeah, which means I'm 100% white at heart and 100% Filipino on paper, you know, for college reasons. Did they work? No, that's why I'm doing stand-up right now. <laughs> I guess the point is, I'm so white, I leave Yelp reviews for my drug dealers. <laughs> I'm so white, if I was a pimp, all my bitches would have dental. Oop. <laughs> oh, I can? <laughs> Bitch, yes. That's going to be my new left forward, people. <laughs> I bitch with you guys. <laughs> I'm so white, my favorite rapper was the singer from Linkin Park. That one's not a joke. <laughs> I wrote that before he died. You know how bad I felt after? I didn't feel bad at all. I'm so white, I discovered most death from the cameo he had on House. <laughs> yeah, the whitest lady in the room was the only one who laughed at that. That's how white I am. Mauricio, <laughs> I bitch with you. <laughs> We're having fun, guys. We're having fun, guys. Uh, you guys like drinking? Yeah, a little fun fact about drinking. Up until the year 1820, the only way you could have clean drinking water was if alcohol was in it. Alcohol. Yeah, that's how they sterilized it. You already know. I can tell you're slouched down on your chair right now. Yep. <laughs> that's why you water Dude, you fucking, you know my joke. All right, just listen to this. I never met this guy in my life. He never met this guy in my life, and he's already stealing my punchlines. <laughs> I bitch and hate you right now. Part of the game. Well, actually, no. Like, I, I, that no. Bitch you. I have nothing to say. <laughs> Let me say my joke, guys. Stop bullying me. This is on the radio. My mom listens to the radio. Stop making fun of me in front of my mom, people. <laughs> what? That's right. <laughs> what the bitch was I saying? Oh. Yeah, but um, yeah, you know that story with the uh, Jesus fed three people with three, uh, like uh, with five thousand people with three fish. Story you're talking about, sir? Yeah, do you know what happened next to? It says so in the Bible. It happened next to a river. That means everybody in the Bible is too drunk to know where fish come from. 
Jesus says, take my hand, I shall guide you in the promised land. That's him trying to get his drunk-ass apostle friends home at 4 in the morning. You know, after the bars all closed in biblical Bethlehem. I see him pacing up and down the streets of biblical Bethlehem. going, Judas! Judas! Jesus, bitch in Christ. I swear to God, you're going to be the death of me one of these days. I like how you guys are. You already stole the fucking joke. I'm sorry. Yeah. You already stole the joke. Everybody knows it's going to happen. Why are you even laughing? It's like, I don't know. We're sad? That's not how laughter, actually, you're a comic. That is how laughter works. You know what? I was going to say another joke, but you said good job. I'm going to end it on that. Yay me. Give him a Pam, everybody. Yay, Hunter Uniac! Yay! Yay. That was exciting. He was talking about God. I used to be a cheerleader for God. There is only one God, and he is the sun God. Ra! 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 It's God, right? Like, that's the... Is that how that works? All right, your next comedian how much fun is this gonna be she's amazing she has a show here on tuesdays from four to six called always free she's a rainbow family anyone in the rainbow family yes yes always free i know it's well it's not a it's not a cult it's just a it's just a bunch of people that like to like feed each other and take care of each other and the Rainbow Family's gorgeous. They just smell a little weird. Like, get over it. Put your hands together, everybody, for your next comedian, Rachel Pinson. Yay! It's really nice hearing somebody else try to convince me I'm not in a cult this time. <laughs> I'm going to take this thing that I've been breathing in all day and put it over this mic for everyone's safety. I hope you don't mind. Yes, I'm Rachel Pinson, and I don't know if you guys recognize me, but it's true. I was the person taking a piss in the alley right before the show. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Are you next? Is that what she's saying? Oh, I thought Mauricio was next. Oh, yeah. I was like, I was going to, I had this whole thing ready about how I'm glad my arch nemesis was here. And how we're immortal enemies, like it's past mortal enemies, it's like we're immortal enemies. Like every lifetime we come back and we're mortal enemies again, over and over again. Anyway, that's Mauricio. <laughs> Good talk, Mauricio. <laughs> Good talk. <laughs> I've been thinking a lot about the lines of consent and like how guys think it's so muddled and hard to find, but like if a girl wants to have sex with you, you'll know. <laughs> like you will definitely know. It's been premeditated from the day she met you. She already had she's like you she's on the phone with you, you know? She's like, Why weren't you here yesterday? What, you live in San Francisco? Like I live in Kentucky. All you have to do is hop on the bus, say you're going to San Rafael, then it's only fourteen dollars. The driver switch you get to save six bucks, man. Like, I just shaved. I have, like, four more hours of being soft. <laughs> All right? I just re-upped my Valtrex. Why weren't you here yesterday? That's all I'm saying. Like, you will know 
when a girl wants it. Like she will. <laughs> it's very clear. I don't under. You know. Anyway, I used to date a bunch of losers to try to disappoint my parents, but then I realized that I am a strong, independent disappointment to my parents. Yeah. I don't need a man to help me with that. <laughs> I'm a feminist <laughs> or something. <laughs> me and my boyfriend quit drinking together, so now I just drink alone. Which is probably why I don't have a boyfriend. <laughs> All right, cool. That was for Ernest. <laughs> hey. <laughs> All right, cool. <laughs> oh yeah, man. Okay, you were. She was like, <laughs> she was talking about. I'm just going off script. She was like, oh yeah, they're great, but they're kind of stinky. So like, I I work this job, right? I had two uh, options of employment. One was to be a bar back, and one was to work in the cannabis industry. So I went with the cannabis industry, and then all the bars closed, so I think that I picked the right one, but uh, I had a bunch of friends come in, and they were like, oh yeah, your friends are really great, but they like smell really bad, and they're kind of weird, and I'm like, my people! <laughs> and I offered them like a shower at my house before work, but I don't know if you know this, but like, whenever someone who hasn't showered in a long time, like a hippie takes a shower, they don't smell clean, they just smell like wet hippie. It doesn't really help, but we're trying. <laughs> we're trying to do this. What's up, man? How's it going? <laughs> you guys being COVID safe and socially distant? At the beginning of COVID, everyone's like, hey, man, stock up on toilet paper because toilet paper's flying off the shelves. Like, you need more toilet paper. Get more toilet paper. And it was all gone. And I got a bunch of toilet paper, but nobody prepared me for how quickly I was going to go through batteries, you know, because I'm lonely. <laughs> Back order on Amazon, it's, <laughs> it's rough, man. I say, let's all, are you guys ready? I, I pulled us together for a meeting. I think we should go looting. I think we should loot CVS and put toilet paper back on the shelves, man. Like, let's do it. Let's give the people, let's give the people what they need. <laughs> If you want to stop gang violence, take away their badges. That's not a joke. I just wanted to say that. Why are you guys here? <laughs> yeah. Defund their badges. We don't need no badges. <laughs> Speaking of defunding, I was thinking about Planned Parenthood. I was, <laughs> I was on this uh, radio show with someone who was like this super pro-life uh, atheist, animal activist person who's just like, oh, killing babies is murder. She's so anti-Planned Parenthood. And I'm like, dude, thanks to Planned Parenthood, I'll never have to have an abortion. You know, like, that's just like, anyway, I got one minute left. My soapbox. <laughs> what can I leave you guys on that's clean? <laughs> We're talking about sex. Sex is clean, right? If you're doing right or something. Um, I don't know. What was that? <laughs> yeah, wash, unless this is a wet hippie. <laughs> 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 oh, man. I'm a hippie, but I'm really bad at it. Like, I really love taking showers and eating meat. <laughs> you know? And I don't think that shoving a crystal in my body is going to cure my yeast infection. Like, no matter how many times I try. There's no science behind that, you know? Like... I just kind of fell into the lifestyle, you know, like, the free love. <laughs> like, actually, I don't want to hug you. <laughs> the, like, traveling for free. <laughs> like, did you know 
that people will just, when you're a 20-something young hippie, they'll just give you drugs and travel you around for free in their vans. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? <laughs> like, the wondering, like, was I really in an open relationship, or did I just get tricked into joining some kind of weird, um, like, sex cult? <laughs> Again. <laughs> Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, STD. All right. <laughs> Pam Benjamin. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, well you ain't got no shoes. <laughs> like that's, does everybody remember our good friend George W. Bush? Like yeah, he said that once. I love the George W. Bush quote. Um, I think he said, um, hey, uh, you know a lot of people say that uh, the presidential library is pretty big for one copy of Good Night Moon, <laughs> right? I gotta get back to Crawford, Texas. Ah, you know, Laura's making taquitos. That's Mexican for little tacos. <laughs> Your next comedian is my second favorite Mexican in San Francisco. He is an amazing human being. He's super hilarious. He runs FDAL, Few Drinks and a Laugh. He's super funny. He has shows coming up all over the Bay Area. Put your hands together right now for Mauricio! Yay! What, this is my time, goddammit. Yeah, I don't know who you are. You look like an undercover cop with a mask, goddammit, you know? Damn. I was like, this guy looks like a black man. Wow. All right, my name is Mauricio, and my comedy sucks. My name is Josh Kahn, part two, man. That's what I like to do, man. That's what we do, yeah. Uh, I heard over. I heard earlier that someone said like they don't want people to die. I want you to die. I'm half indigenous. I have yet to meet a black person and a Mexican with COVID. I only meet white people with COVID. Is that fair, man? And I'm glad that you're dying. I really am. I want you to fucking die. I'm half indigenous. Oh, one right. Last one. Last one. All right. Sorry. Damn, I'm getting passionate because uh, you guys got to celebrate Thanksgiving, or as I call it, thank you for taking my land, right? I'm half indigenous. I represent a tribe called Zapotec and Mistec, so we hate all of you. Every day I'm on this mic, every day I'm out there with a pistol, I want revenge, like every day. Like right now, if you're not dying from COVID, I want to give you blankets with smallpox and maybe a little AIDS, you know? That's my, that's my jam, you know? I want revenge. I want revenge so bad. I am the only Mexican on this damn, on this damn mic, and there ain't no other, you know? Like, God damn it. I'm the only one representing the mission right now, or as we call it, La Misión, you know? Yeah. But then, uh, uh, so we don't get Karen, I'm going to say the mission, right? You know? One thing I like to talk about being indigenous, man, I call it Indigenous Day Part 2. One thing that sucks about last night is, like, I wish to be thankful I need to rip the heart out of a virgin. That's it, man. I couldn't do it because everyone in Oakland who claims to be hard said that's illegal. You know? <laughs> I don't get it, man. I was like, what is this, you know? Everyone is scared, man. One thing that sucks is, like, I don't respect any of you. I hate Americans. I really do. I'm from Mexico, Mexicali, the real California. Have you guys heard of this? Before conquistadors raped us? Damn. It was beautiful, man. Mexicali is the real ghetto. I don't know about your guys' ghetto, right? It's the real ghetto. Mexicali, Mexico is so tough. That the minute my, uh, I got bit by a dog and hit with a stick, and after my father put the stick down, he abandoned me. I was like, no, I can change, man. Just give me a chance. I will grow, you know? I will grow. One thing that really sucks about Mexicali, Mexico is that everybody in Mexicali, Mexico is hot and down to sleep with each other. Damn. 
Yeah, you guys have a weird thing called dating, right? I don't, I don't understand this. In Mexico, Mexico, a woman just grabs you to have sex with you and have 30 kids, and we build an empire, you know? <laughs> no dinner, too, man. I don't got to pay for anything, right? And I like when my friends are like, why is it so tough then, man? If everyone is hot and down to sleep with each other, why is it so tough for me? So I was like, because I want to sleep with 95% of my cousins. <laughs> and I have a chance because they get impressed when I bring a U.S. $20 bill. Dang, man, the family reunion is awkward, you know? Yeah. I remember I used to love to kiss my aunt on the lips, man. That was awesome. And we're like, yeah, I guess it's for New Year's, you know? Yeah. And then jacked off, you know? Like, whatever, you know? God damn it, I still love her. Tia Lupe, forever. <laughs> oh, my God. I remember when she rubbed, like, Vicks on my chest, man. That was intimate, you know? And I, uh, but I'm half indigenous, man. I also hate Mexicans. Is that weird to say? There's two types of people in Mexico. We have white people, too, man. We call them Jalisco, and they root for Chivas, and we hate them every day. I'm indigenous, so we hate the people that are trying to kill us every day. The one thing that sucks about Thanksgiving and Indigenous Day is I wish that white people would let me celebrate the way I want to celebrate, you know? You know what I mean? Like, I want to get in the backyard of a white tech couple, right? And I start sending smoke signals to my friend Little John, right? You know? Yeah, and then we start showing up with paint on our face, right? And I would love it if the white couples, like, calls the cops, like, hey, there's these weird brown people with, like, paint all over the face, and they keep doing smoke signals, and they're eating weird bread. Can you kick them off our lawn, you know? And I would love it if the cops, like, hey, it's Indigenous Day. It's just for one day. Let it be, right? He's like, go out there and actually eat bread with them, and then you're going to learn something new because white people are culturally stupid, you know, right? So I would love it. He's like, what? You got to be kidding me. You're not going to kick them out. Like, go out there, learn something. I would love it if they're out there like, all right, man, I was wrong. These are nice people. One day, let's eat this cornbread. This is good. And I would love it if the sea of people just broke up, right? And then in the midst of that darkness, you see me covered in blood, right? And I ripped the heart out of a virgin. And I put it up to the sun. And I'm like, nasa man, nasa man, nasa man. Yeah, just so corn can grow tomorrow, you know, right? <laughs> and I would love it to that same white guy's like, they just ripped the heart out of a virgin. Kick them out now, <laughs> right? And the cop's like, was she white? No, she was brown. It's Indigenous Day. <laughs> All right, my name's uh, Josh Khan. Thank you. Mauricio! Find him on Facebook. He's under Mauricio Cadazzo, which I think it has to do with cheese. He, his jokes are not cheesy. They're delicious and amazing. Your next comedian. Oh, I'm so excited for him. Uh, he, uh, he's recently come into my life, and every moment has been joy and beauty and light. Put your hands together, everybody, for Peter Struckmeyer. Yay! Happy Friday! Oh my god, I feel like there's so many faces I don't know here, um, which is great. So let me start out with a fun fact about myself. My name is Peter, and I am saving myself for marriage! <laughs> yeah, good Christian man here. Um, you know, I'm just saving all my love for the right woman. And uh, 
In the meantime, I've let about 200 dudes plow me from behind. Yes, I am super gay, in case that was not clear to anyone here. Uh. Yeah, I am gay. I get hit on a lot by older men. Not like your nice George Clooney Silver Fox type, no. Instead, imagine if Fisherman's Wharf were a person. Just smells like seawater and in and out and shame. There's a prison in the background you would rather be at. I'm talking like some fairy of a geriatric who's going to ask me on a fanciful date. Do you want to get mint juleps or chaperone a band trip? Like, no, dude. I don't want to take a lavender bath and listen to Careless Whisper, okay? Uh, Thanksgiving brings out the worst in everyone, right? <laughs> the people who piss me off the most on Thanksgiving are the ones who are like, I don't need one day to be thankful because I express gratitude every single day. You know, you know. It's like, we get it. Your shitty little Etsy shop is about to go out of business. I will give you a pity like for a charm bracelet if we can just move on. Uh, I I didn't eat turkey yesterday. I actually had pot pie. Yeah, I was like, you know, good hearty meal. Like, doesn't need to be turkey. Something else, something different. Uh, didn't realize I was eating a pot pie. So, uh, yeah, I got high out of my mind. It was like, where am I on the space-time continuum? Uh, yeah, so I got high. I watched gay porn, did a little... Uh, uh, uh. Um, <laughs> lot to be thankful for on that special day. Uh, uh, where did I want to go? Um, I, I've been a little stressed with work lately, but, you know, I'm trying to rise above the hardship. And uh, really create a morning mindfulness routine for myself. So, uh, you know, I wake up and I, I uh, look in the mirror. And I take a deep breath in. And then I sing the chorus from Christina Aguilera's Fighter. Like, makes me that much stronger, makes me look a little bit harder, makes me that much wiser, thanks for making me fighter. <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Donate to Mutiny Radio so I can continue doing those musical stylings. Um, but yeah, no, I sing fighter, and that's like what gets me pumped up, you know? That's what I'm like, <laughs> like I'm going to solve an equation also a little behind the scenes on that uh bit my neighbor can't stand me because i keep trying to butcher those vocals okay i learned the hard way that he does not appreciate my musical talent we had a rather awkward conversation about it. he's like yeah bro can you not sing fighter at 11 30 at night I'm like sorry i have the sunday scaries <laughs> oh my god but you know what hell hath no fury like a gay man singing fighter so 
yeah, I think that's where I'm going to end it tonight. Thank you, everyone. I'm Peter Schreckmeyer. Peter Struckmeyer, everyone. Yes! Yes. Today, I look like I'm dressed as a rich person, and it's just costuming. This is all. Everyone's giving me all. That was an amazing set, Peter. Yay! Your next comedian. Wow. He, he, I love him so much. I've known him for years, and he's a wonderful human being, and you're going to love his jokes right now. Put your hands together. For Mike Bonds! Yay! Yeah. Are we gonna raw dog this microphone, Pam, or what? <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Take your mask and go, oh, like, okay. go like that and oh, okay. put it over that way. Like that. There you go. I need to stop hanging out with so many white people, y'all. I'm just, I'm just saying. This shit is crazy. <laughs> Did y'all have fun yesterday on Thanksgiving? Yeah, I know, right? We all had a good time, man. I went over to my Mexican partner's house yesterday, man. It was fun. You know, it was great. But he asked me to bring a turkey through. So, you know, I never cooked a turkey before, so I had to smack it, flip it, and rub it down. Yeah. Right. Oh, no. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was one of those things yesterday. It got, it got a little nasty with the turkey yesterday. That's all I'm saying. But it tasted good, though. Tasted good. He called me today. They still over there partying. So after this, if y'all want to go to a Thanksgiving after party, let me know. It's going down. <laughs> I'm going to get right into it. I realize I got a big-ass head. Clap it up if you got a big-ass head. Come on, I see some big heads in the crowd, brother. Come on now. Clap your hands, brother. <laughs> Clap your hands. You know what I'm saying? It ain't easy having this big-ass head. I'm just, I need to find my big-head people. That's all I'm saying, man. You know? Big-head people, we always want to sit in the front row, don't we? Like this brother right here. Always, you know, you know she can't see behind you, brother. You know that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know she can't see behind you, man. You know? <laughs> I went to go buy a hat the other day, and you know, and the dude at the hat shop was like, "Hey, brother, it's gonna be eight to twelve weeks before we get your size in. <laughs> you got a big ass head. That's all I'm telling you. You got a big ass head." <laughs> and it's cold too because I had to have that conversation with my son. You know, hey, this is how you deal with the police, and son, you got a big ass head. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like this is this is some real stuff we got to talk about. You know, you know. I looked at his mama the other day, and I was like, wow, I see where he get it from. He, he get it from my side of the family, you know. <laughs> y'all enjoying this COVID thing, man? I know y'all enjoying this COVID. I know. I know nobody's enjoying it. I know. I, f I picked up a few, a, few bad, uh, a few bad habits for COVID, you know. I realized I like food porn. Clap it up if you like food porn. Come on now. You know what I'm saying? You know, I feel like I sneak away at night to watch a good enchilada being made. You know what I'm saying? It's getting crazy, you know? Mac and cheese, oh my goodness. Hold on, I'm, I'm gone for about 20 minutes on that one. I'm gone for about 20 minutes. And they got the nerve to melt the cheese all slow and everything. You know what I'm talking about? You know, I'm not crazy nothing like that. But after I got done jacking off, I was like, this is it. This is it. I'm not jacking off the food porn no more. This is it. <laughs> One thing I miss about the COVID is buffets, you know, big man like myself. We love buffets, you know, you love buffets, you know, real talk, man. I was in a buffet before the COVID ended, man. There was a kid running around the buffet. Hey, fat man, hurry up, man. I said, like, why don't we get the kid? I will slap a kid in a buffet, you know what I'm talking about? Get your ass, <laughs> you know? And he's taunting me and everything. Hey, fat man, hurry up, man. Hey, somebody better get this kid. Then the kid took a piece of chicken and put it in a little fudge fountain and he threw it at me. It's like, somebody better get this little kid. I messed around and tried it, and it turns out it was pretty good. So y'all go ahead and try that chocolate chicken. You know what I'm saying? 
tell him this little badass kid gave you the <laughs> gave you the quarter, you know what I'm saying? Little badass kid, you know. But damn it, if chocolate chicken ain't good, <laughs> shoot, man. <laughs> you know. We got any married people out here clapping up if you're married, right? Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. You can't argue with your wife anyway, man. You can't, brother. You can't. I went out and got a book on how to argue with my wife. First page that said, shut up. That was the whole book. Just shut up. Second chapter, shut up. <laughs> you know, you can't do that argument stuff, man. You got to watch it, you know. You got to watch it. I know. It's crazy these days. Anybody got any tattoos? Clap it up if you got tattoos. Most people out here should have tattoos, you know. I feel like I need to bless this body with a tattoo. You know, I haven't put a tattoo on myself yet. And everybody's going out and getting all these monumental tattoos, their kids' birthdays, their grandmother's names, pictures on their cells and everything. And then there's these people who get Asian writing on their arm. Like, what's that for? You know what I'm saying? I got a buddy that got Asian writing on his arm. He's your faith, light, moon, sun. I said, you sure? <laughs> you sure? <laughs> you positive? Well, I want to get some Asian writing on my arm. I want it to say chow mein, two egg rolls, general chicken, and fried rice. You know what I'm saying? Because when I go to an Asian restaurant, I'll be like, hey, my order's right here. Don't mess it up. It's right here. You see that? I did it for you. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Don't mess up my order, because they always get it wrong, right? <laughs> it's right here. It's here. <laughs> it's here. Oh my goodness. Anybody seeing a therapist? We got any therapists in the house, man? I know, right? You're a little crazy. I know. You got crazy eyes. I know. You know. <laughs> I'm seeing a therapist, and my therapist, she's really, really nice. She's been really good to me, but she always wants me to open up in ways that I feel weird, you know? So I went in the other day, and she was like, Mike, I want you to open up today. I want you to tell me what's going on. This is your therapy. I, I, I know. I said, you sure you want me to tell you what's going on? She said, no, I really want to know. I said, you sure? She said, I'm your therapist. I said, well, do you think it's okay to jack off to my therapist? <laughs> so I got a new therapist, and he's really great. He's good with me. He's been on, on point. Hey, you guys, I'm Mike Bonds. That's been my time. Mike Bonds, everyone. Hilarious individual, yes. Talking about therapists. I had a dream last night that Bjork was my therapist. And I looked up at her, and I was like, why is my mom not proud of me? And she looked down, and she said, your uterus is made of clouds. <laughs> and the powder bear only stops in the same river once. Don't let poets lie to you. And I was like, oh, Bjork, you told me nothing. You're next comedian. Of <laughs> I know. No one knows who Bjork is anyway, so it's fine. It's like it's a moot joke. And then moot, is that a word? Can we know how to read? Cool. I'm a witch. I know how to read. So is your next comedian. He's a warlock. You're going to love him. He has gorgeous, amazing hair and very, very funny jokes. Put your hands together for Ernest Evangelista. Yay! Hey, guys. How you guys doing? I should take this mask off. Hey, guys. How you guys doing? Cool. Um, did you guys go Black Friday shopping? I didn't either. I did my Black Friday shopping during the riots. <laughs> like my outfit. These are new shoes. Cool. How was your COVID? Did you guys find any new hobbies? 
I've been ha I've been uh I've been riding now. That's my new hobby. Uh, I've been writing uh, gay fan fiction. Also, I am a 9/11 conspiracy theorist. So I decided to combine the two. How you may ask? Imagine if all 19 hijackers were gay. How romantic would that be, right? You know, they're in the cockpit. It's real sweaty. It's real hot. He knows he's going to kill himself for Allah. But then he looks at this bearded gentleman. He's like, I don't want to wanna suck your dick right now. I want you to shove that twin tower penis into my bloody pentagon. It's right. You should buy my Amazon book. I'm <laughs> please. It's really good. Cool guys. I don't know where to go. Who here took a COVID test? Yay. I took a COVID test. I test positive for cocaine. <laughs> I like wearing mask because you can't tell how much cocaine is in my nose. Um, no, you guys, you guys ever got in trouble for doing cocaine? You guys ever, uh, you were outside, maybe Asiento, and then, uh, security guard came out to you and was like, hey man, stop doing that cocaine. And I was like, hey man, shut the fuck up. Hey, hey, I'm sorry. Hey man, please shut your mouth. <laughs> I'm doing cocaine. <laughs> you sound like a cop. Hey man, prove to me you're not a cop by doing this cocaine. Turns out he was a cop. And then I got arrested for cocaine possession. You guys ever got arrested for cocaine possession before? And then you have to go to court. But then you're doing cocaine the other night. And you're like, hey man, I'm out of cocaine right now. I gotta go to court. I need to wake up. I should probably take this acid. And then you go to court, tripping balls on acid. You ever did that? And you look the judge in the eye while your eyes twitching, and you say, "Please don't hurt me, Daddy." And he's like, "Fuck, fudge you, thirty days." And then you go to jail for thirty days. You guys ever been to jail for thirty days? Okay. I miss jail. I miss it. I learned a lot about myself in jail. In jail, I learned my worth as a man. In jail, I'm about worth two packs of cigarettes, a pair of honey buns. That's my name in jail, honey buns, for some reason. Mainly because I used to boof. You know what boofing is? Okay, I'll tell you about it later. Um, hey, guys, what's the worst part of a threesome? Sharing the condom. What's the best part of a threesome? Getting pegged. You don't like butt stuff. You ever shove things that vibrate up your butt? You ever shove the iPhone 11 up your butt? And try to get your friends to FaceTime you? My, number's uh, my phone's currently up my butt right now. 
Can someone call me? And honestly, that's why I was really popular in jail, because I got to sneak phones up my butt. All right, guys, have a good night. Ernest Evangelista, Honey Buns, as he's known in jail. That's good. I've been in jail. Yeah. I speak a little Spanish. I have one joke in Spanish. Que pasa en tus pantalones? Una fiesta en mis pantalones de todos vienen. Does anyone speak Spanish? See, I, I had to explain a joke, but it's it's to come... But it's a, it's a double entendre in Espanol. Yay, yay. That's a... I have two master's degrees. All right, that's why I hang out on the street corner and say things into a microphone. Your next comedian, she is an amazing human being. She's been in bands. Go uh, look up, if you're on Spotify, look up the band Bed, B-E-D, period, they're from Portland, and it's they're amazing. They're like shoegazer, gorgeous wonderment. And she's going to tell you jokes right now. Put your hands together for Sierra Hager. Yay! Ow! Got your own condom, girl? Stop yelling at me. <laughs> oh, man. I know what you guys are thinking. Teenage Mutant Barbara Streisand. <laughs> yeah, I'm a musician. I'm going to sing some songs for you guys tonight, just like Josh Kahn. Um, here's another one. It's uh, This is just like more autobiographical, I guess. Um, goes, I got sunburned on a cloudy day. <laughs> White girl, white girl, ha 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 ha. It's a song I wrote about living in San Francisco. It goes, uh, upstairs neighbors vacuum all the time, vacuum all the time, vacuum all the time. <laughs> I'm learning German. <laughs> Got this little like German program. Um, and this is the conversation they teach you. It's like the first thing, and this is if you, s if you don't speak German and you're going to Germany and you just need to find someone who speaks English because it's like an emergency. So here's the conversation you go. Uh, okay, so here we go. Entschuldigen Sie, verstehen Sie English? Nein, ich verstehe kein English. Verstehen Sie Deutsch? English speaker. Nine. Ha 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 This is, uh, I had the worst day of my life recently. Um, this year, my grandma died in my arms, and also I got divorced. Uh, and this worst day of my life that happened really recently doesn't have anything to do with either of those things. That's how bad this day. I know. I know. So, okay, so, so this story has a backstory. Uh, when I was 19 years old, I had the most beautiful, like, magical sexual experience with a man. Insane. 
insane. I'll let you guys laugh about that all night long. Let's just keep it going. Okay. Um, it was it was this boy, and his name was his name is Dylan Blackman. Interestingly, a white man, as he will. And he was so beautiful. That's his real name. I would never make that up. That's insane. Um, he was so beautiful. He I just I remember about him. He had these two sparrow tattoos on the inside of his shoulders, and he had like he was just like really um, just like. He didn't break tension with laughter. You know what I mean? He, he was just so sincere. And he just looked into my soul. And he made me feel so beautiful and so seen. And I was 19, so, like, that had for sure, that was, it was like another decade before that would even come close to happening again, right? <laughs> um, and so we had this one magical night. And the next day, he got on a plane and moved away to New York City for art school. Because that's, that's where boys like that go, is art school. Yeah. I wish I had known. I would have practiced anything. <laughs> um at all and so okay so uh and then like like 11 years passes i like i got married i moved to portland i had a kid i got divorced i moved back to san francisco covid grandma dies right all that you guys remember you remember my life my whole <laughs> life that's my whole life uh and i had this weird dream about him when i moved back to the bay area it was just like super out of the blue i hadn't thought about him in years i had a weird dream about him uh and then this one morning i was like driving to the park it was like pretty peak COVID here, right? Driving to the park, that's like the only place to go. And I get out of my car and he's right there. Sitting in the sunshine with a German Shepherd puppy in his, that's a racist dog. But I just, I was like, shh, shh, shh racist dog, it's right, it's Dylan, he's there, there he is. And my first thought, my first thought was like, like, I can do this. Like, I am, I'm like, I am so, I have my shit so much more together. I'm lying to myself in this moment, but I was like, but I'm like, I can, I can, I'm a publicist. I can talk to this fucking boy. <laughs> Sorry, Pam. Uh, I was like, I'm like, I'm gonna do this. This is gonna be great. This is gonna be great. Uh, so I start walking toward him, and I and I make eye contact, and I give him this look that's like, hey, I know who you are, right? And then he looks back at me with this look that says like, you're a stranger I've never seen in my life. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so then I said something really helpful to like get his memory going, apparently. And I, I'm like, I'm like, you're Dylan. Like he knew who he was, right? <laughs> <laughs> he knew who he was. That wasn't helpful. I'm like, you're Dylan. And then he looks at me and he goes, Oh, hi. <laughs> hey, hey. Uh, and and remember, divorce, grandma dying. Remember that all that <laughs> stuff. COVID, COVID. And then he goes, he goes, how are you doing? And, and the, the, like, as soon as he started talking to me, my whole body started convulsing. Like, like middle school, first time talking to your crush, like physically shaking. I like lost my absolute shit. So I'm super, super, super nervous. And he's like, so how are you doing? And like the only thing that c I could come up, I was just like, so good. It's <laughs> like so. Literally, the entire world is in lockdown. Everyone's like throwing themselves off of bridges. I'm like, I'm great. It's really good to see you, right? Super good. I have like a uh, like a wedding like a like a wedding ring imprint band, but no wedding ring. You know, I'm like, I'm like so good. Um, and and then like I kind of black out at that point, right? Like I don't really know what we were talking about for a few minutes. But when I came to, I was saying these words. Um, you have to excuse me. I'm just a little nervous. 
it's really blowing my mind. You see, recently, I had a dream about you. <laughs> I said those words to him. I don't have any more jokes, but you guys just have to watch me kneel now. <laughs> <laughs> so just to recap. <laughs> anyway, I think that's it. I think. You want to take a picture of me on my knees, Pam Benjamin? No, thank you. <laughs> Absolutely not. That's no. That's crazy. That's crazy. If Pam Benjamin asks you to get on your knees. <laughs> You do it. No, I did. Okay, we'll do it later. We'll do it later. Yeah, everyone calm down. What's my one-minute joke? I don't have a one-minute joke. I think I'm done. Uh, I'm Sierra Hager. You guys have a really good night. Let's keep it going for Pam Benjamin. Ow, ow, ow. Doesn't she look beautiful? Hey. Sierra Hager, everyone. Yay. This has been our out. Oh, no, Brian Crow. We have one last comedian up tonight. Oh my gosh, he is stellar. <laughs> Do you like wordplay? Are you smart? This is the comedian for you. No, he's a really wonderful human being, and he works at Alameda Comedy Club, which you should check out. They have shows like almost every night of the week, socially distanced, totally amazing. Love him up right now, everybody. Your last comedian of the night, Brian Crow. Yay! I don't know how to use a condom. <clears throat> so a friend of mine came up to me and he said, you know, in these trying times, Brian, you should live each day as though it is your last. And I said, nope, I want to live each day as though it is my first. So I sleep most of the time. I never get out of bed. And if I don't have a nipple in my mouth every two hours, I cry. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh, my name is Brian Crow. And for those of you with dyslexia, that's crying bro. Also known by my Native American Tinder name, Swipes to the Left. <laughs> my blood type is red, my credit score is 720, uh, my pronouns are he, him, my verb is screw, and my adverb is deliciously. <laughs> I was actually thinking about this stuff, so everything is like, pronouns are like really important, and I get it, I mean, I'm, I'm an ally, I support it, it's like, if you want to be called they, them, I'm going to call you they, them. I'm concerned more about what is your verb. Your verb tells me how you're going to behave towards me. I mean, if your verb is dream, great, they, them is a dreamer. If your verb is do, cool, they, them is, is a doer. Um, if your verb is kill, they, them is your list of victims. <laughs> All I'm saying is that if, if the police are trying to identify you, how you identify yourself is out the window. So I was curious about this, too. If you're somebody who's transitioning between genders, do you use an indefinite pronoun? <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. So uh, holiday, thank you very much. You guys, uh, you guys enjoying the holidays? Yeah. I, uh, I like to go home for the holidays, or as I call it, staying in the will.
So I like coming here. San Francisco, this is my hometown. I love this place. But I've noticed we have a really weird sort of passive-aggressive relationship going on with the, with the homeless. You know, you go down on a Market Street, there are homeless uh, encampments directly across the street from buildings with signs that say, we work. Ah. <laughs> That's some fucked up shit. Um, so uh, I am, uh, am pro-gun. I admit it, I'm very pro-gun because I think it's better to have something and not need it than to need something and not have it. And that's the very same reason I'm also pro-abortion. <laughs> so th I know things are weird with like uh, being outside and doing performances and stuff. I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but uh, Live Nation is going to add a question mark to their logo. <laughs> but I have a solution. I do. Think about this, all right? Going out and doing protests, totally okay, right? So here's what we need to do. Have a protest, book really good entertainment, right? Let's go to BLM at Coachella. I think it'd be perfect. Or uh, let's see, we could have uh, Burning The Man. <laughs> and you say, did you go to BLM? I went and I saw it was like seeing every color of the rainbow. What, the diversity? No, the drugs, dude, I was tripping balls. <laughs> So I'm just going to close on this little ditty. Um, as a musician, I like to go onto YouTube and look at uh, young kids that sing and play the blues. Fucking amazing. I saw a kid. Oh, I dropped an F-bomb. I'm sorry. Excuse me, neighborhood. Uh, I'll end it with a rape joke. No. Um, <laughs> I like seeing really talented kids <laughs> singing the blues. I, the other day, I saw a five-year-old kid singing the blues. Amazing, right? Except for one thing. What does a five-year-old have to sing the blues about? <laughs> right? You listen to B.B. King sing The Thrill Is Gone. It makes all the sense in the world. What does a five-year-old have? The internet is down. The internet is down. I ain't got no connection. You know I can't play no Fortnite, but I'm too young to have an erection. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dedicate this one to the ladies. My mama won't nurse me, gave the nipple to another man. My mama won't nurse me, gave the nipple to another man. So there won't be number three. Mama, you gotta use plan B. You guys have been fun, Amber Brian. Thank you so much. Thank you, Pam. Drive dangerously, take risks. See ya. Brian Crow, everybody, yeah! Thank you so much for being here tonight. Uh, we're, uh, I, the only reason we're ending in Time is Weird tonight is that I'm booked at Milk Bar at 8 o'clock. So, everybody go to Milk Bar. That's a thing. It's like a scene or whatever. Or, or go, Milk Bar is at the end of Hate, right before the thing. Or go to Stroy Moy's show at Neck of the Woods. That shows at like 9.30... There's a lot of comedy that's socially distanced and awesome here in San Francisco, and you should be doing it. We're out of here now. We're going to pick up all the chairs and be gone. But thank you so much for being here. And uh, Dr. Dre, what a pleasure to see you. Amazing. Can't wait for you to bring a show back here. Bring us good music. I don't know what good music sounds like. I just do jokes. 
Thanks for bringing in chairs. You guys were all amazing. Yay! Good night. Yay! Give us money in this thing over here. Put money in this jar. And then, uh, yeah. So good to see you. I'm Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on mutinyradio.fm for... Let's watch a full-length movie on... YouTube. The best movies that, uh, aren't they? Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me sea dogs and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutinyradio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutinyradio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit face McRat. <laughs> As the world gets wackier and less predictable in every way, it is more important than ever for us to all remember our roots. We wouldn't be here today if our ancestors hadn't had the capacity and the skills to take care of themselves and their communities using the resources in the natural world around them and their own two hands. My name is Wonia Thibault of Buckskin Revolution and Alone Season 6, and I started Buckskin Revolution not just to empower people with a wider range of skills to meet their basic needs, but also to inspire them with a sense of fulfillment and connection that comes with living a little closer to the earth and using our bodies, our minds, and our very DNA for what they evolved to do to help us thrive without the need for modern technology and industry. If that sounds appealing to you, I hope you'll join me for the Fall 2020 Buckskin Revolution Online Skills Gathering, an eight-week learning experience designed to work within any schedule. It involves pre-recorded classes, live interactive sessions, and online community learning support from both myself and your fellow students. The need for these skills has never been more pressing, and Buckskin Revolution is working hard to bring them to you. I hope you can join us. Get connected with yourself and the world around you at buckskinrevolution.com. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience, like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've given it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! <laughs> 
Hey, you, poetry reader. This is Bjork's sister, Mjork. It's okay. We also have a soul and a weekly poetry reading on Mutiny Radio's AltaCast, zoomed every Wednesday at high noon from Glasgow, Scotland. One of our co-hosts from Choose Poetry, Choose Life, Andy Talbot, has a new poetry chapbook, Old Wounds, New Skin, which is available at analogsubmission.com now. Go buy it, and don't let poets lie to you. Once again, that's Andy Talbot's new poetry chapbook, Old Wounds, New Skin, available at analogsubmission.com. I'm Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on MutinyRadio.fm for... Let's watch a full-length movie on... YouTube. We watch the best movies that... uh, Aren't they good? Well, they're chosen by Uh, Here's his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch a full-length movie. Ministry of Lava manages our national lava resources to ensure that we will always have a steady supply of lava to operate the nation's active volcanoes, which in turn power our cities and methamphetamine labs. As a matter of national security, we need to reduce our dependence on foreign lava, which means an expansion of domestic lava drilling. As your chancellor, I will build lava wells all over the country as well as secure access to more lava fields by invading Hawaii. 
Imagine orange gold spurting out from school playgrounds on the Great Plains and illuminating the Nebraska sky like fireworks on the 4th of July. Magma oozing over the rolling hills of Kentucky. Volcanic ash settling gently over homes in New England like fresh gray snow. If you want global lava markets to continue to be dominated by terriblest regimes like Iceland, Chile, and the Philippines, vote for my opponent, who sits in their back pocket as comfortably as Pahoehoe on the slopes of Kilauea. If you want the United States to stay competitive in the era of peak lava and beyond, then take a chance on the Chancellor. breakfast and I'm running for Chancellor of the United States of America. For too long we have gone without a Chancellor who is willing to take bold leaps of faith and logic to create new possibilities for our great big fat nation. As your Chancellor I will balance the budget on the head of a pin, give entertaining speeches, have scandalous affairs, Write strongly worded letters to unpopular foreign leaders. Look good on camera. End all hunger, crime, abuse, war, disease, disasters, sadness, depression, oppression, repression, suppression, transgression, obsession, expression, impression, regression, and digression by signing pieces of paper that express my disapproval of such things. And... Invest in an American flag pin to be worn prominently on my stylish jackets. It's time to work together to take the country back from us and return it to ourselves. It's time to turn this country around and drive it into opposing traffic. It's time to take a chance on the Chancellor. COVID-19 has turned us all into teenagers a little bit. I think we're all going through phases right now. I think, like, we've gone through, like, 11 phases so far. Mask is number 12. Woo. Phase 1 was uh, don't drink Corona beer. That was our, the first phase we went through. Second phase, spit on a Chinese person. 
that was just a phase. We got, and then we, we learned we we learned that's not what you do. Phase three: don't touch your face. Remember? Remember? Yeah, I didn't like. Fuck that. I like touching my face. I said the f bomb. Gosh, damn it. Okay. I don't know, man. Phase three, phase so phase one, the the do the thing. Phase two is another thing. Phase three, um, don't go to work. Phase four, don't leave your house, except for the grocery store every single day, at least twice. Phase five, watch the Tiger Man television show <laughs> on the internet television. Watch the Tiger Boy, wonderful Tiger Boy. And then number stage five, watch the Michael Jordan has red eyes documentary. If you haven't seen it, there's this great documentary about Michael Jordan. It's called Michael Jordan has very red eyes, the documentary, and it's uh, it's all about him having red eyes now. And you know it happens to not everybody. It just happens to him, but you know. Um, phase uh, six was uh. Of the quarantine was uh, uh, pull down a statue. That was phase six. <laughs> Just pull down a statue. We we all wanted to do it at one time or another. Just quit quit pretending you don't want to and go go pull down the Ulysses S. Grant statue in Golden Gate Park. Go do it. Doesn't matter. Nothing matters. Um, statues are dumb. You know. Did you ever read the Bible? The Bible's like. You know, Corinthians chapter 7, verse 2, statues, not stupid. <laughs> I think that's one of the Ten Commandments. That's number 11, I think, is statues are gay, actually. Is that's the Bible, you know, it's like a, you know, no, it's, it's the Bible, you know. It's not like what I'm saying, it's the Bible. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm just like quoting the Bible. I'm sorry, Brady, but you know what? You didn't give me any Tums. <laughs> okay. Hey. Yeah. I'm going to do this later because, <laughs> man, these are difficult. Can somebody open it for me? Okay, no, I got to focus on these jokes. I got a, I got a non-alcoholic, I got a non-alcoholic cookie here. I, I need some nutrients. Hold on one second. Okay, intermission.
And welcome to the Weekly Review with Roman. Today, it's Friday, October 4th, 2019. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm very tired, and I'm going to do my best to bring an informative show for all you listeners out there. So thanks again so much for tuning in. Quite a week. We'll be getting to some news. Start off with some music by the Muffs. Kim Shattuck passed away recently, and also heard that Diane Carroll passed away this morning. <sighs> Taking a lot of deep breaths and sighs, and I will most likely be doing that throughout the program as well as some groans uh, as I go through the the news. As the news is depressing, and also it's important to recognize what's happening. We do have a guest coming in at twelve thirty, so very excited about that. And, oh, whew. So, yes, we are broadcasting from Mutiny Radio in San Francisco. We're on Ohlone land, and there's a lot of resources that folks can check out to learn more about the land that we're on. One is if you go to ramatush.com, and that's R-A-M-A-T, excuse me, R-A-M-A-Y-T-U-S-H.com. You can also go to conspireforchange.org forward slash resources forward slash decolonization. And there's a lot of great reading materials and resources there as well, uh, regardless of where you are. And there's also the Shimmy Land Tax, and that's for folks particularly in the East Bay, although anyone can donate. And if it's if you type in S-H-U-U-M-I Land Tax, you'll be brought to the Sikorite Land Trust page, and you can read more about that as well. Oh, yes. So oftentimes I begin the show with a rant or a little bit about what what I'm thinking about or what's going on. And I was thinking earlier about how there's so much misinformation and being brought up in this country provides a lot of misinformation. And regardless of the families one may or may not grow up in and the areas uh, one may grow up in, there's still so much misinformation in the media and often in schools and in, and there's so much that isn't taught or biased versions of what is taught and behaviors that are in a way celebrated. And I'm thinking about how often qualities such as kindness and generosity and authenticity and honesty are sometimes not only overlooked but punished in, in this country. And how difficult it is as to... I complain a lot about what's happening in the world and systems that are in place and other people's behavior and also recognizing the only thing I can change is my own behavior and wanting to make strides with that and also recognizing how difficult it can be coming against what is possible and how to unlearn a lot of behaviors. And looking around and seeing so many things that are either that feel backwards or are unnecessary or could be easily corrected if resources were were dispersed differently, and especially in San Francisco with the with their wealth disparity is ridiculous that there are thousands of people without homes, and at the same time there are billionaires who live in the same city, and with billionaires they have so much money that they could give away millions and still have millions. Like they could give away so much, and still have they'll there's more than enough money that they would ever use in their entire lifetime. And to see that, that difference of folks who don't have their basic needs met and how to, <sighs> what will it take 
to get folks to to share and recognizing again i can't necessarily force anyone to do anything i can only contribute and can do what i'm able to do and at the same time and i'm sure i'm not alone in this it feels like it's never enough and there's so much more that i could be doing and also recognizing then there are the folks who have more than enough and how do we shift their perspective to get them to recognize that everything is connected <sighs> so that's something that goes on in my mind every every day certainly and i think about my own actions and there's so much work to do and recognizing that one will make mistakes and wanting to correct them next time and undo patterns and how there's this illusion of democracy here in this country and this idea that, oh, we're, we're free to do whatever we want, but not really. And there's so many different products we can buy. However, only a few different corporations own those products. So only a few corporations will be profiting off these. And sure, there are plenty of places to spend money. That's if you have money. However, how many choices are there as to how to be in the world, how to appear and how to act? That can be very limited as to what's deemed acceptable by dominant culture and just how disturbing it is that based on how you look or other people's perceptions of you is based on how you will be treated and what you will be given access to. So I'm thinking about, the again, the land we're on, and as we talk more about climate change and what can be done for the environment, and also recognizing that <sighs> so much of how what was here originally and how folks took care, indigenous folks took care of the land, and wanting to find a way to go back to that. <sighs> Yet these corporations are polluting, the military-industrial complex, the U.S. military is the largest polluter in the world. And these are businesses. And as long as people are making money, they don't care who they hurt. They don't think about the long-term effects. And how do we stop that? And how do we integrate these specific issues into the climate change discussion? Because someone can be against climate change, and as long as you're still pro-war, that's not going to solve anything. Not just the human life, but the life on Earth, nature. So I've been thinking about that. Again, uh, perhaps not the most cheerful thoughts, however. I do want to be solution-oriented, even if I can be a pessimist at times, and also recognizing that even if some of us don't see the world that we want to live in, we can plant seeds, we can work to create it, we can speak ideas aloud, have conversations with others. Try to envision it. So the very first step is to envision the world that we want to live in. And it might seem radically different than the, than the world we're in right now. However, have to try somehow. <sighs> and I did want to begin with a story 
about fighting climate change in one way is that uh, there's a story that was on NPR and there's an audio version of it so I will I will p play that and this is a uh, tribe gives personhood to Klamath River and this came out on September 29th a Native American tribe has granted personhood to a river in Northern California making it the first known river in North America to have the same legal rights as a human, at least under tribal law. The York tribe, based near the southern border of Oregon, conferred the new status on the Klamath River. For years, water management systems and climate change have led to lower water flows in the Klamath and fewer salmon, one of the York's main food sources. We're joined now by York tribe general counsel Amy Cordalis, who is also a tribal member. Welcome to the program. Ayakui, thank you for having me. What does the status of personhood mean for a river? What it means is it gives the right to the river to exist, to flourish, and to naturally evolve, and a right to a stable climate free from human-caused climate change impacts. What that means is that anytime the river is hurt, for example, there's a toxic pollutant that is gets into the water of the river, we could then bring a cause of action against that polluter to protect the river. So would the York tribe be able to take legal action against polluters of the river further upstream beyond their territory? Well, that gets into some jurisdictional mm -hmm. issues, but we certainly would make the argument. What prompted this? Why did they decide to take this action? One, the Yurok people have always lived along the banks of the Klamath River. And in our creation story, um, the creator told us that as long as we lived in a balance with the natural world, we would never want for anything. And we lived that way for a very long time. Of course, you know, after the invasion in the 1800s um, and development occurred outside of our control, that balance has been thrown off. Um, I understand that the situation with the salmon, though, has really prompted a lot of concern. Can you explain a little bit about what's going on and how it's been going this year? The salmon runs are the lowest they've ever been. Even this year, it was anticipated that the returning salmon runs were going to be strong, but they never showed up. We don't know where they are. Uh, we have been doing all we can to protect the river and, you know, working within existing legal frameworks, and it's not enough. We should note that this is not the first body of water to be granted personhood. Toledo, Ohio voters approved a referendum to grant personhood for Lake Erie in February, although that is being challenged. Is this an idea that's gaining traction beyond Native Americans? Absolutely. Um, the New Zealand government granted rights of a river. And really what I think this is, is a reflection of a change of societal values. So we are in a climate crisis and we need new tools to respond to that crisis. And in this country right now, corporations have rights as a person. And that's because historically our country valued commerce. And so I think it's a logical next step in this era of climate change to give the same kind of legal recognition to the natural environment and to nature. That's Amy Cordalis. She's the general counsel for the Yurok tribe in Northern California. Thank you so much. Thank you.
All right, so that was from NPR, and you can find that at npr.org, and that was posted on September 29th. There's a lot of information. As per usual, this is just a drop in the bucket of the information that I have heard and I'm able to get to on the show, and I'm weaning myself off Facebook. It's having a tough time. We do post news articles there if you go to facebook.com forward slash weekly rev. I've also been sharing a lot more information on Twitter, so you can follow me on Twitter at R-O-M-A-N-R-I-M-E-R, and for many of the stories that I have intended, I am intending to get to today, but might not, you can follow me on Twitter and read some news stories from there. There's a lot, again, a lot to get to. Uh, George Gascon, the DA in San Francisco, has stepped down, even though there's going to be an election in November, which is kind of, ugh. And the idea is that we want to be sure that us voters, folks who uh, vote here in San Francisco, have a say in who the next DA should be. If you're interested in listening to last week's program, please do, because we had uh, Chesa Boudin on the show. And Chesa talked a bit about his campaign and his history. And we will be replaying that episode on October 25th. So, folks, if you'd like to take a, an action item, you can tweet London Breed, who's the mayor of San Francisco, and let her know that the voters we deserve to be able to vote for the next DA here in San Francisco. And you're welcome to. I've posted it on Twitter, so you can retweet that, create your own tweet, contact London Breed's office, however you are able to. Thanks for that. Uh, again, lots of news. I'm unsure of how much time we're going to have to get to everything. So I did want to announce a few upcoming events. Uh, the Center for Political Education is a great organization here in the Bay Area, and there's a lot of events that are happening in October. So for folks who are local and or will be local in October, I wanted to share some events that people can check out. I've learned so much from the panels that they have presented, so I really encourage folks, if you'd like to learn more about any of these upcoming events, please do check them out and or spread the word to folks who may be able to attend as well. So the first he, uh, event here on the list is Defend the Venezuela Embassy Protectors. This is Tuesday, October 15th. Uh, they will be sharing the location details soon. But you, again, if you check out the Center for Political Education, they'll have more information there. And it says, join CPE and Bayern USA in welcoming Kevin Zies, Margaret Flower, and David Paul on their tour of the Bay Area. All three are facing prison terms and $100,000 fines on the trumped-up charge of, quote-unquote, interfering with government operations based on their 34-day defense of the Venezuelan embassy in Washington, D.C. Zies, Flower, and Paul will be joined in conversation by Venezuelan activist Carolina Morales and Rhonda Romero, chairperson of Bayan, and that's B-A-Y-A-N, USA. So that's one event that's happening again on Tuesday, October 15th. Next on Tuesday, October 22nd at 7 p.m., Reclaiming Hong Kong at the Eric Quezada Center for Culture and Politics, which is at 518 Valencia Street in San Francisco. Earlier this year, the people of Hong Kong rose in mass resistance to the proposed China extradi extradition bill. Protests continue to escalate despite increasingly brutal crackdowns by the government. While the city edges toward martial law, the protests have gained attention and support around the world. Join CPE, Chinese Progressive Association, and the Banya uh, Project, and that's B-A-U-H-I-N-I-A -I -I Project, for a discussion featuring organizers involved in the uprisings and Bay Area-based organizers. The speakers will discuss what caused and continues to fuel the uprisings and what the future of this organizing may be from Hong Kong to the Bay. 
and this will be featuring Kaiyui Samuel Chen, uh, Wawa, Jose Eng, and Adrian Lung. And for more information, including accessibility information, they have a link if you go to, I'm going to click on the site here and share the link that has more information as it loads. And there's a Facebook invite that's called Reclaiming Hong Kong. So if you type that in, you'll find more information there. And also is to note that there are like anti-government protests that have also been happening in Haiti and Iraq. So really around the world, those, and I think in Indonesia as well, there's just many, many protests that are happening around the world. And I really appreciate that the Center for Political Education puts on these panel discussions because I feel the media either doesn't cover these events at all, or if it does, it's from a very pro-state, pro-government, pro-police, uh, pro-imperialist perspective. So it can be really difficult to understand what's at stake, why people are actually fighting, and what they're fighting for and to bring in folks who have lived there and really understand and have studied what's happening is so important and crucial and also just to understand how that corresponds to what's happening here in the united states as well Whew. next up they have the decade of fire the center for political education and casa justa just cause invite you to a special screening of decade of fire on sunday october 27th from 12 30 to 2.30 p.m. at the New Parkway Theater, which is at 474 24th Street in Oakland. Director Vivian Vasquez Irizarry and Casa Justa, Just Cause organizer, uh, Kenya Perez, will join us for a post-screening discussion. They have tickets available and they have a link on the website. No one will be turned away for lack of funds. Decade of Fire tells the story of how the South Bronx came under attack in the 1970s by banks, the real estate industry, and gentrifying government policies. It also shows how entire neighborhoods organize themselves to fight back and rebuild their homes. Against the backdrop of racist austerity measures, redlining practices, and policies of quote-unquote urban renewal, this gripping film investigates the real history behind the fires that rocked the South Bronx for a decade, displacing about a quarter of a million people from their homes. With painstaking research and compelling testimonies from longtime community members, Decade of Fire rejects dominant narratives that place the blame for the fires on the black and brown communities of the South Bronx and shows the power that is activated when neighbors unite and organize to save their communities. And they also have some more information on excel—excuse me, accessibility information at the link as well. So again, if you go to the Center for Political Education, which is let me just bring up the website here oh they have a the facebook invite if you check that out they will you'll find information that will be helpful great all right it is 12 27 and going to look at some of the next stories that we can get to in time oh. Oh. also taking a, a deep breath here because Yes, there is quite a lot. And there is one more. Oh, goodness. There's there's a lot to get to. So I think what I'm going to do next is get to a story from Democracy Now! And that's just going to talk about folks who commit nonviolent crimes and how they are punished as opposed to some folks who actually do commit violent crimes, such as the Dallas police officer who was the first uh, Dallas police officer to be convicted of murder since the 1970s, and she was given a 10-year sentence for murder 
while there are folks who are given far more time for either self-defense or for other victimless crimes. So this is from Democracy Now! And this is from November 15th, 2013. I'm just going to play a little bit from this. The American Civil Liberties Union has found that more than 3,200 people nationwide are serving life terms without parole for nonviolent offenses. Of those prisoners, 80% are behind bars for drug-related crimes. 65% are African-American, 18% are white, and 16% are Latino, evidence of what the ACLU calls extreme racial disparities. The crimes that led to life sentences include stealing gas from a truck, shoplifting, possessing a crack pipe, facilitating a $10 sale of marijuana, and attempting to cash a stolen check. 63% of those serving life without parole for these nonviolent offenses are in federal prisons. Most were sentenced under mandatory minimum laws. The ACLU says keeping nonviolent offenders behind bars for life is costing taxpayers an additional $1.8 billion. And Amit will be joined by the author of the study. But first, this is a clip from a video that features family members of some of the more than 600 prisoners it profiles. Everything he did was to hurt himself, not others. And it went from, from one year sentence to two year sentence to natural life. My dad will never get out for something so little, natural life. But stealing a $150 jacket. And that $150 jacket got him life in prison. Here in Louisiana, they used that uh, habitual offender law, three strikes, you automatically get natural life. It's like giving him a death sentence because there's no life, no life for a man with his children or his parents or anybody else once they're in there. Judge should have the discretion not to give the life sentence. I mean, that's extreme. You tell that to anybody, that, oh, oh, that's a little bit too much. That's almost just to be the point that that's not what the forefathers envisioned, even with the Constitution. That's extreme. That's cruel and unusual punishment to me. He's a good person, my dad. I mean, he's always, like I said, he's always been there for me, my sister and brother. He's always done his best until he started abusing the drugs. And a lot of times with Patrick with the drugs, it came down to not being able to find work. Life sentence is no way to deal with a... Uh, a drug addiction. My son wasn't a menace to society. He would give his shirt off his back. And being so tenderhearted in a place like that, it just doesn't fit. It's changed him that way, because I notice he is getting a little colder. I find that he's not believing and he's not keeping his faith as much. He's not, like, he's like, I'm about ready to give up on this. Oh, it's been hard. I go down there and see him. I can't hardly stand and leave him, but I know I have to go. It'd be hard. To tell him what I ate for Thanksgiving, and he couldn't eat it. You know, it's hard. Just little things like that. And my birthday coming up, and those are days I break. But if this person can go back and be a productive citizen and not commit crimes again, these nonviolent crimes, then why are we keeping him here, spending all this money? Because maybe I've done my job, so he should have a parole hearing. There's too many families that suffering out here. Give him a second chance. He's 54 years old now. I'm looking for things to change. Because these boys are just getting wasted away in these prisons for no reason. 
That's a clip from a video that accompanies the ACLU's new report, A Living Death, Life Without Parole for Nonviolent Offenses. For more, we're joined by its author, Jennifer Turner, human rights researcher with the American Civil Liberties Union. Welcome to Democracy Now! I mean, it is just astounding. A man—the story we just heard, another story, a man walks out of a store with a coat slung over his shoulder, $159, gets life in prison without parole. Absolutely. These these sentences are grotesquely out of proportion of the crimes that they're seeking to punish. And we found that 3,278 people are serving life without the possibility of parole for nonviolent crimes. But these numbers actually underrepresent the true state of extreme sentencing in this country. Those numbers don't account for those who will die in prison because of sentences such as 350 years for a drug sale. Um, it also doesn't account for the many millions of lives ruined by excessive sentences in this country as well. And especially the impact of federal mandatory um, uh, minimum sentences. Could you talk about that and the efforts to try to roll back uh, some of those uh, some of those laws? Yeah, what we found was that over 80 percent of these sentences were mandatory, both in the federal system and in the states. Um, they're the direct consequence of laws passed over the 40-year war on drugs and tough on crime policies that included mandatory minimum sentencing laws, habitual offender laws in the states. And they tie judges' hands. And in case after case after case that are reviewed, the judge said from the bench, outraged, um, would say, I, I oppose this sentence as a citizen, as a taxpayer, as a judge. I disagree with the sentence in this case, but my hands are tied. And one judge said, when sentencing one man to life without parole for selling tiny quantities of crack over a period of just a couple of weeks, he said, this is a travesty. It's just silly, but I have no choice. What if a judge said no? The judges can't say no. In fact, I looked at cases where the judges tried to say no, where the judge tried to find a legal loophole, where prosecutors appealed repeatedly. One man was sentenced to zero time in prison by a Louisiana judge for uh, threatening a cop while handcuffed in the back of a police cruiser. He was drunk, threatened him, was sentenced uh, initially to no time. The, the prosecutor appealed, the sentence increased to 10 years. Prosecutor appealed again. On the third appeal, it was increased to life without parole as a mandatory sentence because of his priors uh, dating back as much as 20 years earlier. Let's go to another case. Another person profiled in your report, in the ACLU reporter, Sharonda Jones. She was sentenced to life for conspiracy to distribute crack cocaine when she was a 32-year-old mother with a 9-year-old daughter, no prior arrests. No drugs were found on her. But her supposed co-conspirators testified against her in exchange for reduced sentences. In this clip from the film The War on Drugs, she talks about being separated from her daughter. My sister bring her a visit, and every time she comes, it's hard. I see her like once a month, and to see her grow from a little bitty baby to almost a grown woman now, it's just like, God, my dream is to just show up at her school. <laughs> I mean, I know they gave me life, but I can't imagine not being at her graduation her high school graduation. I just can't imagine me not being there. Sharonda Jones. Jennifer, tell us more about her case. 
Well, Sharonda was caught up in a massive drug sweep in a majority white town in Texas. Over 100 people were arrested, all of whom were black. Um, Chuck Norris participated in some of the arrests. Uh, Sharonda had no information to trade for a, a, lenient, a more lenient sentence, and the judge was required to sentence her to life without parole, objected to the sentence, but uh, he had, had no choice. nothing on her. But they had nothing but one wiretap. Uh, what happened was a couple had been arrested on drug charges and began cooperating with the feds as confidential informants. And from there, uh, started implicating others in the community. They called Sharonda and said, hey, do you know where we can get some drugs? The wiretap caught Sharonda saying, let me see what I can do. That was the extent of the evidence against her, with the exception of testimony from these confidential informants and other co-conspirators. They never found any drugs on her. Uh, there were no even video surveillance of her with drugs. But she was sentenced to life without parole as a single mother. Her daughter, Clonisha, has been separated her for many, many, many years. And Sharonda maintains a very close relationship with her daughter. She carefully apportions the 300 minutes she's allowed to use per month for non-legal calls to call her daughter 10 minutes each day. When I talked to Sharonda on the phone, she's like, I gotta go, I can't use all my minutes, I need to speak with my daughter. And uh, Sharonda, unfortunately, has no relief available. Her sentence is final, like those of everyone else we were profiling. Uh, they have really no chance of relief unless President Obama, in Sharonda's case, because it's a federal case, or in the states where the governors use their executive clemency powers to reduce their sentence.
welcome back to the weekly review. I'm joined here by Kevin Seaman. Kevin, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me, Roman. Yes, and you have a show coming up called Femme Masculine. It's hashtag Femme Masculine. Oh, excuse me, sorry. Don't hashtag. forget that hashtag. We're in a digital age, Roman. Right, hashtag Femme Masculine. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so please tell us about the show. Yeah, sure. So this is the first solo show that I've done. I've done a ton of shows here in the Bay Area over the last uh, 15 years that I've lived here, and this is my first solo show. It's debuting down at Brava Theater. We had our opening night last night. It was a ton of fun. Um, the show is really looking at the intersection of gender and sexuality amongst gay men and really looking at that intersection. It's kind of a parable for uh, toxic masculinity and um, just kind of like living your best life in this digital age where it's easy to slip into a bunch of bullshit. Yes, <laughs> that is for sure. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's so I really appreciate queer artists who put their work out there it's uh, i think having visibility is so important oh yeah i totally agree um when i think too you know for me this show is really it was such a labor of love and it was many years in the making um because it was really changing my performance style for something that was more character-based more silly Mm -hmm. um and comedy to something that was a little bit more authentic and vulnerable which was very difficult for me as a performer yeah yeah. What was the process like? If you'd like to talk about that. Um, yeah. So um, I, uh, I feel very fortunate to be supported by a huge team mm-hmm. of amazing local artists and even some folks that are working remotely um, throughout the whole thing. Uh, three years ago, I started working with John Calden, um, who wrote the script. Uh, we wrote the script together. Uh, and that process was really just like talking about uh, stories of my life and... Um, uh, just experiences that I had that like brought me up to this point. And over the years, the, the script really shifted and changed. Um, and I think y- not only is it this kind of like autobiographic piece, but I think the other piece of it too was really about um, taking kind of a queer lens to gay culture mm-hmm. um, and looking at a lot of gay male culture and thinking about that in context of uh, gender studies, of queer studies, and really thinking about how we're looking at um, some ideas that kind of get uplifted as like uh, underground scenes, but then are kind of still conforming to and supporting patriarchy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, very much so. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think a bit about some of the dating apps, for instance. Oh, one, yeah. One place. Absolutely. So, yeah, we actually have um, one of my other collaborators, Jolene Ango, has created a dating app specifically for the show. Oh, wow. And so a lot of the action on the show deals with um, looking at this app. It's called The Man. Uh And uh, it's it's a community for men. Oh, gosh. Um, But really, it's just like we go through we go through having to. fill out like a profile together and take a picture and mm-hmm. um, go through kind of some, you know, the, the app isn't an actual of the app available. It's specifically made for the show really as a stand in for toxic masculinity, yes. thinking about how we conform to standards of um, specifically like hyper masculine gay uh, male gaze mm-hmm. and really thinking about how we change ourselves to fit in somewhere. Yes. Um, and then what happens like when we start conforming, 
putting that conformity on other people that yeah. might be coming in later. So really think about aging too and like being a younger um, gay boy and really finding myself in a lot of internet websites and um, in the show we talk about like the AOL M-Frem chat rooms, we talk about gay.com yes. and just kind of my own evolution in places but then also just really thinking about how, how after we learn how to conform to spaces so that we can fit in, how are we forcing others to have to conform by not being our authentic selves yeah wow that's that's there's a lot right there it's the comedy (laughs) (laughs) and it's so important to talk about where i was in the the beginning of the show i was speaking about just growing up in this country and how regardless of sometimes where we're raised or who we're raised by it's still difficult not to take on some problematic behaviors and attitudes that's kind of either forced on us by mainstream culture yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah, there's um, there's a really great video that we put together that um, uh, Jay Mason Buck, who's up in Seattle, um, created that is about essentially the process of hazing that all mm. young boys go through just by virtue of watching media, listening to their peers, and like being a young boy in the world, that there's so much conformity that, that happens in order for boys to survive that mm-hmm. you have to like fit into mm. it. Um, and there's there's this really amazing video that um, Mason created that kind of details that and just seeing it from all angles of TV and news and movies and then how that gets played out in social structures as well. Wow. Oh, oh, I, I do sigh a lot on this. So. That's all right. Yeah, sigh away, Roman. Taking it, I'm taking it in. And, <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh. But I mean, the, I think the flip side of that too, you know, we spend a lot of time thinking about the like the conformity for sexuality, but then yeah. I think we reach a point in the show where that completely reverses and that's where my drag persona, LOL McPherson comes out mm-hmm. and really is kind of the antithesis to all of this hyper-masculinity is the idea of yeah. hyper-femininity. Yes. Um, but then I think also trying to like take a look at some of drag culture about like appropriation from different communities, um, the way that a lot of gay men when they do drag and Mm -hmm. anyone can do drag I I truly believe that Mm -hmm. drag performance is for everybody Um, and it comes out with all these different kinds of expression but um, really thinking about how a lot of gay men when they're doing performing drag as drag queens that uh, a lot of self-deprecating behavior that can mm. just seem self-referential actually isn't true because at the end of the day, you go home and you wash off your makeup, you wash yes. off this feminine presence, and you're back to being, you know, a male presenting person. And so, what does it mean that you're like self-deprecating someone that you are, but then you're also yes. not? Yeah. Wow. Um, and yeah, I think drag can be really problematic sometimes sure. if you're not thinking about how you're making the joke. I think just like any any type of comedy or any right. type of um, social parody or performance, that if you're not intentional in what you're doing, you can very easily uh, be extremely offensive. Definitely. And if your point is to be offensive, then you better know how and why you're being offensive. Right. And who you're offending. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that a lot of skirts by because there's not certain people in the room, and I think we have to hold ourselves to a higher um accountability yes yeah thinking also just in terms of with you know being trans and like how the relation between trans and drag and then Mm -hmm. how it intersects sometimes Mm -hmm. and and not 
Yeah, a previous show that I did um, with uh, Mike Sigourney, Vivian Forevermore, Honey Mahogany, and Dulce de Leche, we mm-hmm. did a show that was called Daughters of a Riot, mm-hmm. where we looked at a lot of San Francisco history, mm-hmm. and specifically around the Compton's Cafeteria Riot, yes. and um, how the Tenderloin in, in the 60s was this area that, you, you know, there weren't definitions or, or delineations between... Um, between queerness, gayness, trans identity, like it mm-hmm. was all just kind of bundled up all together. And it's yes. been, um, and so I think in those times it, it was, it, I mean, it was not as good for people because we've come so far with, yes. with LGBTQ rights, but it was more of, it seemed more of a togetherness, at least from like my lens of like sure. not having experienced it all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think now as our communities continue to gain momentum and visibility that we have to be more in supportive of each other. We right. have to be in dialogue with each other. We have to really be listening to each other. Yes. Um, a lot of people refer to like LGBTQ as a community and it's so not true. There's mm-hmm. so many tiny little factions and yes. um, micro communities within that. Yes, definitely. And folks have different experiences too based Absolutely. on identities. So it's also crucial to, to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. I know a lot of trans folks that are super into drag that mm-hmm. like found their, their identity through drag and then a lot of other people that think it's total misogyny. Mm-hmm. And I think both of those perspectives, or all perspectives are Perfect. totally valid. Right, right. Um, um, and I think that, you know, as